exploring a word tonight, not just picking out some truth of the Word of God and telling you what it means, but I believe that the Holy Spirit is active in any church gathering. That the benefit of coming to church and hearing the Word of God in a setting like this rather than watching something online is because when you are a part of a church, when you're a part of a people growing together, the Holy Spirit does something in us. And so I'm very aware that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to His church. So when I choose a scripture for tonight, it's not just great some truth or some scripture that, you know, may be great for you to hear or encouraging. I believe this is a word for us right now, saying that the Holy Spirit specifically wants to say to this group of people, to you, where we are going together. And I, I want to be true to it because I don't want a, a word that you say, that was, that was nice, that was encouraging, that was inspiring. I would rather preach a word that in a thousand years from now when we're in heaven together, you're saying, I didn't really like that message at the time, but it challenged me, but it convicted me, but it made me change something about myself to be more like my God-designed self. And so tonight, I don't want to do some random TED talk because people matter. And the Word of God has the ability to cut through confusion and misinformation and, and chaos and bring a life and a hope to people who are doing poorly, but also people who are doing well. And so let me just start by praying today. Let me pray for this, this message. God, I just pray for something real tonight. And I, I pray that you speak to us through your Word. I pray that like the Holy Spirit power, went out from the apostles as they preached, I pray your Holy Spirit would do something in our hearts tonight as we don't just listen to the Word, but we truly hear it, that it goes into our heart and goes into our soul and changes us to be the people that you need us to be. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I've titled this message a prayer for today. A prayer for today. This is a, a prayer that I think we need to pray as the church right now. The world is a crazy place right now, not just because of the week we've had. The world is crazy. You look at relationships, you look at the news, you look at uh, the way things are going in certain countries with wars and rumours of war. The world is a crazy place. But that's not new. The world has always been a crazy place. In fact, Paul, when he's talking to Timothy, he says, beware in the last days, not of the world being a crazy place. The world's going to be the world. I'm not going to preach tonight into what the world should be. But the danger is when Paul talks to Timothy in 2 Timothy, he says to his protege, Timothy, be careful because in the last days, not only will the world be crazy, but the church gets a little bit crazy too. And some of the craziness from the world starts to creep in. And then he says, he describes the church in this way, and he's not talking about people outside. I want to preach what the church should be, what we can be. And he says, in the end days, people are going to be lovers of themselves. They're going to be lovers of money instead of God. That they're going to hold to a form of godliness, but deny its power that they're going to like something about Christianity but deny the true power of its transformation. And my prayer tonight is that's not us. That cannot be us. That follow a shadow of Jesus instead of the person of Jesus and deny its transformational power. I pray that's not us. We can't be lovers of self. And, and sometimes I hear the interpretation of the Scripture. It says, love your neighbour as you love yourself. So if I love myself more than I can love my neighbour more, I'm like, no, no, no. Like every time we catch up for coffee, you talk about you. You love yourself just plenty. That's not what this is about. This is about loving God more. And I, and I think we just can't hold on to a form of godliness without power, but we must pursue the fullness of God. 
the fullness of his love, the fullness of his transformational power, the fullness of his glory. Because we can't control the world. We can try and change things, but truth be told, the Bible never talks to us to do those things. We can't control the world. What we can control is what we look like. There's a story of a, a submarine. The captain has the captain and his 2IC, and the captain is off shift. He goes into his bunk for a, a sleep, and while he's sleeping on his bunk, he starts to get thrown around in his bed a little bit. And he starts to be like, oh, what's going on? I feel like, did we just hit a reef? And he walks into the bridge, which is the control room of the submarine, and he looks around, and he asks his 2IC, what's going on? Is everything okay? And the 2IC just set, turns to the captain and said, everything is fine. The captain doesn't need to go and pop the periscope and, and look around. And he looks around the control room and he says, everything is fine. And he goes back to bed. He didn't need to see what was going on outside because the control center of the submarine was in order. And we can't control the ocean and the currents and the things that sweep around this world, but we can control what it looks like in here. God doesn't say we need to change everything about that there. He says, no, first, we need to change things in here. And, and Paul says this, this comment a lot, but as for you, when he writes to the people, he says, but as for you, as in, yes, the world's going to be that way, but, but as for you, like, yes, the world has a 50% divorce rate, but as for you, he's calling us to a different standard of living, but yes, yes, the world has a cutthroat attitude to climb the corporate ladder, but as for you, yes, the world will just neglect family time in order to get ahead, but as for you, Paul calls us to a different standard of living. And I think this in Ephesians 3, this is what I want to go through tonight. This is the prayer for today. This is the prayer that I think we need to pray. And as I talked through this with some of the pastoral team here, we decided that we wanted to be a pastoral team that prays for the people of this church like this. And we would love if the church prayed for the people in their world like this. And so I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. And, and as I read this, it doesn't matter what your world looks like or the world looks like. There is a hope bursting in the prayer of Paul. It says this, For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And I pray that He may grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through His Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love. And to know that Christ's love surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, According to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let me ask you this tonight, and, and believe me, I'm not doing this condescending way. When was the last time you prayed like that for somebody? When was the last time that you said a prayer like that for somebody? And, and I'm not saying as if I'm doing this, I, I, I'm pursuing this as well. And in our theme pursuit, I'm not saying I've already attained and because I'm a pastor, I pray that way. I need to transform my life to pray this way too because I don't hear many prayers like this anymore. I don't hear many people saying, hey, I got on my knees before God and I begged Him that you would be strengthened in here. 
And I love our moments of prayer where we believe for external breakthrough. And I'll, but a lot of our prayers seem to go that way, that we pray for Bobbo's wrist because it was a bit sore today, or, or we pray for Janine's business, that it would get breakthrough. And those things are great to pray. Talking to God at all is great, but, God, but Paul is leading us to something a whole lot more powerful in this moment. He says this in verse 15, for this reason I kneel, I bow, I put myself in this position of submission before the Father and, and I got before Him. Imagine someone come up to you and saying like this, come up to you, to come up to Pastor Ron and say, Ron, I, I prayed for you like this. And like at home, I got on my knees before God and I begged Him that He would strengthen you in here, that no matter what is going on out here, that you would be a man that's so strong in here that nothing could shake you that you would know the love of God, be able to comprehend how big it is and that would let you see God's glory, that would let you be filled with the fullness of God. When, when was the last time you prayed like that for somebody? That's the kind of prayer that people need because you can send anybody a, a, a clip. It doesn't matter if you're not the best teacher or the best preacher, you don't have all the apologetics content down pat. There's resource for that. <laughs> you can send them uh, a link to YouTube or whatever. But you know what? someone isn't doing for the people in your world. They're not praying like that. This is something that is the Christian's responsibility. No one else is praying for people in your world like that. That is your job. That is what we are to do as the church. That's why this is a prayer for today. And verse 15 starts like that. I, I get on my knees before you, God, because that's where the power is. Verse 15 goes on to say, I'm just going to exegete this whole scripture in terms of verse by verse. Verse 15, Paul says, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. He's saying that I pray to the person, he calls him father, uses a relational name specifically, from whom every family on earth comes from. That every nation, every country, every tribe, every family comes from one person. That there is one person that is over everybody. In fact, it says in, in Acts chapter 17, verse 25, it says, Neither God, God is not served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. God gives everybody life and breath, not just Christians, everybody life and breath and all things. Take, just take a deep breath just for a moment. Just breathe in and out. You know, you can only do that because the Father above it all allowed us to do that. We need to get over ourselves a little bit. We're not that powerful. We're not that important. I don't even get to choose when my last breath is, but there is a God that does. There is a Father above every family. And that's what Paul's saying in verse 15. I'm not going to the prime minister. I'm not going to the boss. I'm not going to the queen or the president. I'm going to the guy at the top the one who's above everything, the one who sustains and gives life and breath and all things. And before him, I get on my knees and I beg. Verse 15 says that he is the sustainer of my life and every breath that I take. And before that father, I'm on my face before him. I'm praying for you before a person like that. That's how we need to pray. Verse, verse 16 goes on to say, I pray to this God, this person desperately, that according to the riches of his glory, according to the riches of his glory. And, and in my lifetime, I've, I've met a few people that, have, that are making bank. Like they're, they're rich beyond. Like some people are good stewards with money and they're doing well. But then there's, there's people that just have this gift for the accumulation of wealth. 
like on a plane, there's economy and there's business class and then these guys own their own jets. And, and, and when you come across someone like that, it's not as though you mean to treat them any different, but you see their resources and you look at it and be like, man, if, if you could just like sell one house, do you know how many people in, any girls in Cambodia we could rescue as a church? Like with, with the riches that they have, if we had access to that, geez, we could do some Good, and Paul is saying when we approach God, when we pray to God, we need to change the lens like that. That according to your riches, God, God doesn't have a small bank account. God has an infinite spiritual bank account. According to all the riches of heaven, that's what, that's what Paul's saying here. According to all your riches, all the resources of heaven and earth, I'm asking something right now. This is the thing, like reach into your heavenly treasury, can you just reach in there and pull this out? So whatever this next thing is, this is it. This is the big ask. This is the second half of verse 16. According to the riches of your glory, according to how much wealth you have, can we please have this? That we may be strengthened with power in your inner being through His Spirit. Out of everything that Paul could have asked for, this is what he asked for. Can we please be strengthened in here, in our innermost person through the Spirit of God? Why is that the big ask? This is the prayer we need to pray. Now, this, this is the secret to a flourishing 21st century church and a flourishing 21st century Christian. God, with all the riches at you, your disposable, disposal, can we be strengthened in here? Why is that the prayer to pray? Not that your mate would you know, stop drinking too much or stop the substance abuse or that your spouse would look at things, stop looking at things that damage the relationship. Those are good prayers to pray, but why is this one more powerful? Why is this the one? We need to stop praying behavior modification prayers all the time and start realizing that the path to true transformation starts with this, that a strengthening of our innermost being by the Spirit of God. Let me explain why. Let me explain this why. Having the Spirit of God in your life is something that we talk about quite regularly, especially at a Pentecostal church, and you can be quite used to that terminology. Yes, yeah, Spirit of God lives in my heart. That's cool. That sounds great. Everyone's, everyone's got that, that believes. But if you told that to a person from 3,000 years ago in the Old Covenant, it would blow their mind. They would be like, that's, that's not possible. That cannot happen. There's this promise that happens in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 to 27. It says this, God's talking to his people, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. This is the promise that the Holy Spirit will come into the human heart. It wasn't always this way. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and it will cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. Now, this was the days, these are the Old Testament days, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God was not just freely roaming around the earth, nor was it in a human heart. It was in a box. It was called the Ark of the Covenant, this specially designed box. And this is, was super powerful. This is why people of that day would have had their minds blown that the Holy Spirit would one day reside in a human heart because the Ark of the Covenant was revered and it was feared. It was the presence of God that if you had this thing in your house, it actually caused the favour of God to come on your house so heavily you would be rich. And it was so feared that if you touched it or approached it irreverently, you would drop dead. Just like that. One time they're transported on a wagon and it starts to slip off and this guy's like, oh, don't want the ark to slip off, touches it and he drops dead. This is the power of the presence of God in the ark. In fact, 
even when any army would come up against Israel, if they saw the Ark of the Covenant that had been brought to the front lines, they would know the battle was over because a living God, the presence of a living God was there and they would already lose. That's the power that we're talking about. And we're just saying all that power is going to be put into your heart. That all that kind of power is being put in charge. This is why there is a prayer that if we can be strengthened by the power of the Spirit of God, it will change everything about us. That we would take out a heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. And when it changes your heart, the Holy Spirit changes your heart. It changes you from the inside out. That the things you want, used to want to do, you no longer want to do. The things that I wanted to do, when Pastor Lee met me, first time she met me was at a party in St. Leo's College. I've still got the photo. I'm in spandex, I think, and, and she loved, I got flowers around my head. I saw the photo recently. And in that, in that time, I loved partying. I loved drinking and partying. Now, fast forward to where I am now, I don't love that anymore. Something has changed on the inside of me. Something has transformed me from the inside out. And that's why this prayer is the best one that we can pray. Romans 6 verse 17 says this, I thank God that although you used to be a slave of sin, this is my story, you obeyed from the heart pattern of teaching to which you were handed over. And having been set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. So often we can try and set up structures in our life and set up programs in our life that prop up our spirituality and prop up our faith, that we build accountability partners and, and we build programs around our life that when we're doing those things, we feel like we are faithful or spiritual. But what I've seen is that the greatest thing for a maturing faith is a regeneration of the Holy Spirit inside. This is what must happen in every Christian life. Because if we rely on our structures that we build, our holiness is only as good as those structures. And what I've seen in this COVID season as people's habits and their routines and their structures have been stripped away and they haven't been able to attend church and they haven't been able to connect so often with the people that they were. And because of those structures falling away, their faith has seemed to take a little bit of a, a back step in their life. And it just shows me that they relied too heavily on a, heavily on a structure and that there's areas of their life that the Holy Spirit hadn't touched and changed yet. This means our spiritual growth, your spiritual growth, is your responsibility. That you can't blame your friends for not picking you up, or you can't blame the church for not calling. No, this is about one thing, and His name is the Holy Spirit. And He wants to strengthen you. And He wants to empower you. And He wants to change you in here. According to the riches of God, He will strengthen you in here. Because it's not, the, not systems fault or programs fault that if you go back to drinking. It's not uh, the church's fault if I fall back into my own ways. No, it's that I didn't understand fully who God was to me. And the Holy Spirit still had work to do in my heart. And so Paul prays this prayer. Strengthen them from the inside, Lord. Change us from in here. This needs to be your prayer for yourself and the prayer for people around you. Verse 17, it goes on to say, I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love. And Paul keeps praying. Every line has so much richness to it, but he prays two really important things here. The second thing, and the verse 18 goes on to say, is that you would be able to comprehend the bigness 
and the depth of God's love. God's love is everything. The love of God, if you can comprehend it, it is everything. If you haven't understand how much God loves you, you don't chase the approval of other people. You don't, if you have an understanding of God's love, you don't let divided opinions destroy relationships because you understand that God loves both people equally. If you have a comprehension of God's love, insecurity gets driven out of you because you don't need their approval. Fear gets driven out of you because if a God like that loves me, what can they do against me? And so when you have a comprehension of God's love, and God's love here is given out freely. God loves humanity. And maybe you haven't been told it, but God loves you. God really loves you. God loves you. We do not have a love problem. We have a comprehension problem. It says this, may you be able to comprehend what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love. May you be able to comprehend it. But the bit before that in the verse shows us the key. Why many people cannot comprehend the love of God. They have the idea of it. They have a a concept of it. A concept of something that's like a ping pong ball that sits on a glass of water. It doesn't sink into it. It doesn't displace into your life. It just sits on top like a cool idea. But if you can comprehend something, what is the key to be comprehending the love of God for your life? I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established... This is the key to being able to comprehend the love of God. Paul cries out, I pray that you will be strengthened in here, but I pray that you will be established down, strengthened inwards and established down, that you have to put roots down into Christ. This is what every person must do. And we always say, be established, be firmly rooted in church. And that is 100% true. But why? Why church? Because this is where people who are firmly put their roots down deep into Christ grow. This is the best place. The goal is being established in Christ. The best place to do that is being established in church. People can be established in church, but not be established in Christ. But the secret to comprehending the love of God is being established in Christ. The goal is not to be established in a belief system or a worldview or a set of regulations or a set of rules. It's to put your roots down deep that you cannot be shaken. I remember a conversation I had with my wife last year that if we were in a different country where even if you are a Christian, you get put in jail for being a Christian, would we still preach Jesus? And it wasn't even a conversation. We both just said, of course we would. Because we realised that after all these years of our faith, He's all we have. I'm nothing without Him. There's nothing for me outside of Jesus anymore. Not that I have attained and not that I don't have moments of weakness, but He's he's my everything. He's not just the top of the priority list. He holds and dictates my priority list. Outside of Jesus, there's there's this question that Jesus asks His disciples when everyone else leaves. And Jesus looks at His disciples and says, are you gonna leave me too? And they say, where else would I go? What else do we have? Where else do I have to go? And, and when you put your roots down deep in Christ, that is your response. What else have I got besides you, Jesus? I haven't put my eggs in different baskets. It's all in one. And His name is Jesus Christ. And so when you have your roots go down deep, that's what Paul says allows you to start to comprehend. When you go all in, when you put your roots down deep into Christ, you start to comprehend the height and the depth and the love that He has for you. And so the deeper your roots go, the greater the understanding of God's love for you and for others.
Verse 19 goes on to say, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. To know a love that surpasses knowledge. How can you know something that surpasses knowledge? What is, he, what is Paul saying? How can you know something that surpasses knowledge? It means I can stand here and I can exegete this verse and I can throw some Greek up there and I can go through some uh, commentaries all around this. But at the end of the day, I cannot make you love God. I cannot change a thing about your life. That is the Holy Spirit's job to do. It's God's job to change the ones around you. And that's why we can pray. We can't do everything. You can't bring about the results of spiritual growth in someone else's life. God's job is results. Your job is obedience. And we are commanded to pray. Stop trying to do God's part and start doing yours. We need to get on our knees and pray so that we may be filled with the fullness of God. I love the line that I said at the start, it still resonates with me like there's some relevant meaning to it right now that at the end of the days there would be people that cling to a form of godliness but deny its power. That they would love the idea of the love of God, but they deny the power of having Jesus as Lord. That we can cling to a form of godliness. We can try and have relationship with the shadow of Jesus instead of the person of Jesus. And it looks like rules without transformation. It has leadership principles, but it doesn't have Holy Spirit guidance. It has social circles, but it doesn't have brothers and sisters. It has attendance, but it doesn't have disciples. And although leadership and social circles and people are good, I look at that and I think that if we don't have the fullness of God, if I am not overflowing with the fullness of God, what the heck are we doing here? Like if I don't have the fullness of His Spirit when it said it's promised to me, what are we even trying to achieve here? What is the point of Christianity to feel morally superior and virtue signal on Instagram over people? What, what are we doing here? We need the fullness of God, the whole counsel of God. Why, why do we not want the fullness of God? I, I often ask this question, why do people not pursue the fullness of God when it's readily available for them. And in my naivety, I used to think it's because we wanted too many things. We wanted power and love and money that we want too much. That's what I used to think it was. But reading this C.S. Lewis quote, I think it's that we don't want enough. C.S. Lewis says this way. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures. We fool about with drink and sex and ambition when there is an infinite joy that is offered us. And like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum, we cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the beach. We are far too easily pleased. We need to chase the fullness of God. We need to lift our eyes again. We need to raise our expectations again and not be temporarily satisfied by the offerings of the things around us, but by what can truly satisfy eternally the fullness of God. We need to chase it. We need to pursue it. Now to Him, verse 20, He was able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think or according, according to the power that works in us. When you, when you pray like this, when you pray this internal regeneration, when you pray this inside out transformation, we elevate ourselves from the realm of what's possible in our own strength to what's possible in God's strength. Because things that are impossible for us are possible for Him. And, and this verse says that God is able to do above and beyond all that you can imagine. And, and I don't know about you, but I can imagine quite a lot. 
I have some big dreams for my life, some big dreams for what I pray God uses me for in ministry to advance His Kingdom. But God's dreams for me are bigger. They are beyond and they are above and He is able to accomplish them. If I go in my own strength and my own understanding, then I sit at this level. But when we start to pray, God, make me bigger in here. Make me a big enough person for what the future you have for me. Then we start to live on a different plane where we live on the impossibility of what God says can happen. Closed doors start to swing open as we believe that God is able to do above and beyond all that we ask. And the final verse, to Him be the glory in the church. The reason that we gather like this is not for us. We gather to give God glory in Christ Jesus to all generations. You coming to church on a Sunday sets a precedent for generations to follow. You attending on a Sunday, it's not about you. Yes, you can do good right here, right now, but you setting a precedent means people following, you're gonna come to church on a Sunday. That if you give glory to God in the church, Generations to come are gonna give glory to God in the church. I'm so glad that my parents gave glory to God in the church every Sunday. It set a precedent for me. But the ultimate outcome of all this is that God should get the glory. God is the hero. Jesus is the hero. Jesus is the MVP. God should get the honour. But sometimes in our Western individualistic culture, we write ourselves in as the main character of our faith. Like you read a story in the Bible and you write yourself in as the main character. You read David and Goliath. Like, oh, David slayed his giants. I'm David, I will slay my giants. When really David, and it says Jesus was even in his lineage, David is a shadow of Jesus, slaying every giant. Sometimes we write ourselves in, I'm the main character of my faith. When really Jesus is the hero that saves us. You're the damsel in distress, you're not the hero. God is the hero. And and this has been my heart check to see if I'm really want to give God the glory because you can wrap Christianese language around anything and it makes it sound like God gets the glory. But I often say this statement to myself, heaven is an eternity of growing with God in His presence and getting to know Him better. That's what heaven is. Heaven is an eternity of growing with God in His presence and getting to know Him better. And if that doesn't excite you, you're probably the hero of your own faith. That should excite us immensely. That one day we get to know God better. That's what this is about. That's what the fullness of God is, to have Him fully. And so some people may need to refocus their faith today on giving glory to God. God can do above and beyond all that we ask, we think, we imagined. He wants to help us to reach our world, to make things better. But it's gonna take a church on its knees It's gonna take you being responsible for the people in your world and getting on your knees and praying for them like this and saying, God, I sit on my knees before you for my brother, for my sister, for my friend, for my colleague, and I pray that they're strengthened in here. I don't agree with their behaviour. I don't like what they're doing, but I'm not praying for that to change. I'm praying that they encounter you in here, that they would be regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Because if you're regenerated by the Holy Spirit, No behaviour modification comes close to that. It takes church on its knees. And if we can pray like that, a revelation of true love, of the love of God can sweep through our church and our families and our city 
and our nation. We need to say this prayer today. So as I close, I wanna pray this over us as a church as we bow our heads and close our eyes. God, we kneel before You today. The God from whom every family comes from, we pray that You can grant us according to Your infinite riches that we can be strengthened in our hearts, strengthened by the Spirit of God, regenerated in who we are, Lord. We pray that we can put down roots, be firmly established within Your people and Your church. And the deeper we go with You, the more we experience, the more we comprehend, the more we understand Your love for us and Your love for everybody in this world. I pray we understand what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of Your love, a love that surpasses our knowledge. And Lord, I pray that we would be a church that can be filled with Your fullness, that we wouldn't just hold to a form of godliness and deny its power, but we embrace the transformational power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord God, You are able to do above and beyond anything that we can imagine. But above all, Lord God, we pray tonight that You would get the glory. You would get the glory in this house. You would get the glory in our lives. You would get the glory in this church and the glory in the city for all You are going to do. We thank You, Jesus. Just as we close tonight while we have our heads bowed and eyes closed, I just wanna give anyone in this place an opportunity. If you don't know God like that, if you don't have that relationship with God, if you haven't experienced that love, if you haven't had that comprehension, if you haven't been regenerated by the Holy Spirit in your heart and you want to be, it's a serious decision, you want to be, you know you've been, maybe you've been coming to church, but you haven't been regenerated. Not like that. I wanna say a prayer with you tonight. And if you need that tonight, if you wanna be regenerated, if you want the love of God, I'd just love for you to raise your hand so I know who I'm praying with in this place. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, I see that hand. God, as hands went up, it was a decision not just accept an idea of you or a concept of you, but the reality of who you are, the fullness of God. And as we lay down our lives to you, Lord, and accept you as the Lord and Saviour of our life by your Spirit, will you regenerate us on the inside? Will you strengthen us in our innermost being, those people that put up their hands and made that decision tonight, Lord God? Will you regenerate them now that a heart of stone has been removed and a heart of flesh has been put in? that they've come to life spiritually, that can encounter you and who you are. You give them a revelation of your love right now, a comprehension of how much you love them right now in the Name of Jesus. We thank You for salvation that has come in their lives. In Jesus' Name, Amen and Amen. Let's put our hands together for those decisions. Great decisions.